0: Welcome to Motivation Station Podcast, the hottest motivation show in your suburbs. Do you feel the daily routine is catching up and you need an extra dose of positivity? No more blue days. We will share how to rewind the time, live a happier life without stress or negativity. Are you a champion of your game? Let's go to Actionville. Introducing a woman who believes happiness is a direction and not a place, the host of Motivation Station Podcast, Tatiana D. She's on fire. Hello, hello, hello to everyone who found their way to this podcast. As always, I'm happy to have you here. Happy to be able to share with you my thoughts and to do my best to cheer you on. Well, if anything, we've learned in 2021 that we still live in a very turbulent times and our entire planet is still ravaged by this seemingly never ending COVID. Well, we're not gonna be talking about that, however, Each decade has its own marks and significance. And today we are going to dive into the Middle East region and hear the story from a woman who saw the face of war and its unthinkable devastation firsthand. Growing up in the war-torn Lebanon, she survived, became an international journalist and analyst, and award winner of the Doug Hammershold United Nations Scholarship. If you're here to hear her story, then you're definitely in the right place and at the right time. Let's welcome Suha Amer. She is an international journalist who was born and raised in Lebanon. She began her journey as a journalist in 1992. Survived three decades of civil war and three invasions of foreign forces to her home country. Suha lost many loved ones during these wars, have been subject to many traumatic events that no child, teen, or adult should ever go through. And yet, here she is, a war survivor who persevered, earned a bachelor degree in journalism, a paralegal environmental activist, and the an avid peace activist in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. She also is an advocate for enhanced gun laws, and last, but by any means, not the least, soon to be a blogger. Suha is absolute embodiment of a strong peaceful spirit, and absolutely unrestricted positivity. Suha I am truly happy to have you here. Welcome to the show. Let's begin.
1: Thank you for having me and uh, congratulations on your uh, podcast, Tatiana.
0: Thank you. When I announced this episode on um, the Facebook, there was quite a few questions from several uh, followers and readers which I will address at the later time, but right now I just would like to start with one simple but yet loaded question. Through all the times in the continents, any war is absolutely always ugly and always is accompanied by death, hurt, and tears. And yet here you are, Suha, one of the most uplifted, upbeat, and cheerful ladies I've ever had privileged to know. What exactly keeps you going?
1: But mainly is because um, there is no other way for me uh, to go except forward. My years during the war were unthinkable and unimaginable. And I don't think any kid, teenager, or even an adult should go through. There is no other way for me to go backwards because I already tried that and I don't want to go through with it. And also, I don't want others to go through what I did go through.
0: What helped Suha to survive the war and still keep the
1: positive outlook and the spirit? However, um, it was a very fascinating combination of um, being blessed with loving parents.
0: You came from the war zone you're here being positive, raising your own family. But yet, as much as we don't wanna go back, sometimes I'd like to understand a few things. And uh, pretty much I'm sure that other listeners may have the same questions as to what happened in your country and why it was torn with many wars. Can you please shed some light about what led to all these wars in your home country to help listeners to understand where are you coming from?
1: Um, well, as you said, it's mainly very confusing. Uh, it was very confusing to me as a kid. You know, I was eight years old when I was aware that obviously something was very wrong Um, for a kid of that age to be moving from one place to another, um, from one shelter to another, and the sound of uh, horrible uh, bombardment, um, artillery, heavy artillery, it made me notice that something was very wrong, especially that even though that my parents tried their best to uh, kind of like make us living in a very um, normal kind of way, like other kids in my age and my siblings age in other countries, they were successful, but not most of the time, unfortunately. Uh, Not that they have tried, but their circumstances did not help them to accomplish that, you know? So uh, going back to your question is, Okay, Lebanon had its independence from the French mandate in 1942. By then, the political scene was kind of chaotic and unstable to a certain extent. But by mid 70s, the power vacuum uh, reached its tipping point. Disenfranchised minorities armed heavily and actively launched a war that was both vicious and disconcerting to say the least. For decades, people thought it was a secular-based war, and I was one of those. All I remember was running with my parents, as I said before, from one shelter to another to find refuge from the snipers. And one would ask, and I make sure to ask my parents, what was going on? who was fighting who in Lebanon and why that's precisely what the curious child back then was asking her parents instead of asking okay can I go play uh, with my bike outside can I go uh, for a trip with my friends I did not have that luxury back then so my parents however did not answer my questions. Uh, They kind of like always found uh, alibis to maneuver the conversation and evade answering directly. So this kind of like made me more curious to find out as much as possible of what's going on. And I wanna know the truth. And that shaped my life uh, later age when I decided to, obviously, I only have the alternative to be a journalist, find to seek and to find the truth, whatever, however ugly it was, obviously. So I studied, you know, yes, I did. After tons of work and research, I finally kind of like did find the answer. Do I like the answer? That's another issue. Let's just say that sometimes the truth is a very hard pill to swallow. To put it briefly, and after decades of war, hundreds of thousands of innocent civilians, fatalities, severely injured, displaced, migrants, economic and social complete collapse of Lebanon, major mental health issues. You know, I can only say that in all honesty, that it was war of BS, total, complete BS. To understand what happened, I'm gonna go through some uh, major points here that are gonna hopefully help the listeners to understand what happened in Lebanon. In Lebanon, we had what is called a national pact since you know the beginnings of the 70s, which was an informal agreement that prearranged political positions to religion sects back mm-hmm. then. Uh, it gave the president to the Maronite minorities, Christian Maronite minorities, the prime minister to the Sunni Muslims, and the Speaker of the House, the parliamentary, uh, the uh, House Speaker, was to the Shiite Muslims. Now the parliament in itself was six to five in ratio and the president had the upper hand in leading the country in major decisions, especially, which left the remaining Lebanese counterparts with blood clumps only, so to speak. The fighting which started and it was shown to, to the other world that it was kind of like um a religious fight which i believed also before i became a journalist and did my work and my research uh it wasn't it was dressed as religion but it it did have other aspects
0: yeah i hear what you're saying that's something no child or no young adult should be going through for sure in the light of everything yeah yeah I hear how you were saying that you weren't able to go outside on the trips and be with your friends because obviously unfortunately you were forced to look for shelters and to be to survive but how did you guys get food what are they in stores or I, I I'm asking those questions because I'm just clueless clueless and I luckily I didn't go through the the horrible um, times you went through so I just
1: wanted to understand um well that's a very valid question because during the war one cannot go to work one cannot go to school one cannot even barely survive with bare uh, necessities right yeah um yeah well um It it kind of kind of got worse, Uh, very small or brief periods of ceasefire between the fractions who were uh, fighting, like uh, ethnic minorities, rogue uh, militias, and all the war warlords uh, who existed back then, they would kind of like connect one way or the other, their leaders actually, and have ceasefires, periodic ceasefires, so that people can go out, get food, buy food, whatever, uh, you know, method they had. And um, obviously we survived, but there are lots of people who are less fortunate. My parents were close to being middle-class and we were okay, but others, didn't have the means to uh, provide for their families.
0: So you spent your teen years in the war zone. These years are always crucial in forming a future adult character. What was the most horrendous experience you took from the war?
1: There's not one uh, incident that, is, uh, that had impacted uh, me, and I still remember it like recurringly. I, um, but what I still remember mostly is the, um, as I mentioned before, you know, the um, because of the tensions that were growing in Lebanon back in the seventies, I just want to uh, highlight something for the listeners to help them understand what made us go through this. There was already tensions between the Lebanese, uh, the social, you know, uh, you know, the middle class, the elitists who were governing Lebanon, and the po- poverty, the poor people, the poor uh, people who were actually breadcrumbs, breadcrumbs only, you know, living off breadcrumbs. Well, that didn't go well until something very ha- uh, important happened, and that was actually the fire that combusted the whole situation, which was uh, the Palestinians were kicked out of Palestine and uh, they found refuge in Lebanon. Now here's what happened. Uh, The Lebanese kind of divided between uh, two parts. The Muslims wanted to help the Palestinians take, you know, make camps and, you know, because they were refugees. The Christians looked at it in another way. The Christians found this kind of like a warning, an alert for the Christians' existence in the Middle East. So they didn't agree to that. And then then when this, um, Div- division grew kind of like the fraction started war. And I, I remember there was an incident in Ayn Remeni. that's an area in uh, Beirut. Uh, there, the PLO uh, were having uh, an event and they were coming in buses, passing through Christian uh, areas and they were armed. So the Christians did not, you know, found that kind of like, uh, you know, challenging to, the, to their existence there in that area. So they attacked that bus and killed everyone in there. And that was the beginning of the war, uh, the actual war in Lebanon. Um, I didn't know I didn't really grasp the reality of the situation like many of my peers because I was, you know, barely a teenager. But when I grew up and I wanted to be a journalist and I started to be a journalist, this kind of helped me and opened a lot of closed doors to me. And I was able to access documents, usually uh, not, access- not accessible to the public. I really did uh, my research. It took years, uh, but at, at the end, I found the bitter truth, which I was seeking. What I found is that the PLO. PLO, PLO it's Arafat. Palestinian
0: Liberation yes, Organization, right? Just to it, clarify. The Yasser
1: Arafat, okay. yeah. Okay, so they, they were kicked out of Palestine, all right? So they tried to go to Jordan, And Jordan, because they have solid um, social and economic situation there, the monarchy, they couldn't uh, kind of like slither their way into the uh, the community there and do what they want to do, like a resistance. They were trying to make a foundation for their resistance against Israel, okay, to take back Palestine. That's what they're in their mind, you know, they wanted to play that. Um, So, the Jordanians left some of the civilians there in camps for humanitarian purposes. And the military faction of the PLO were kicked out of Jordan. So they went to Egypt, they tried the same thing and they were also kicked out of there. So because of Lebanon, who is already, like the the situation was already unstable and the division was too big between the, you know, the, the Muslims and the Christians. I don't like to really call it religious uh, war because it didn't start as that. Let's say social war, okay? And because of these differences and divisions, they found actually uh, fruit, like uh, the land that they wanted. It's like ready for them to have what they want. And I found out that the PLO actually was ready to declare Lebanon as an alternative country to the Palestinians. Wow. I Never actually, knew that. Yes, one of the documents that I was shown uh, literally says that. Can you believe it? I mean, I, was, I had the shock of my life of that course. really uh, you guys were kicked out of your country and you were ready to do the same to others instead of like thanking The people who hosted you and were, uh, you know, uh, generous enough to host you as refugees, you know, Uh, you were ready to kick my people out of their land. So my outlook of the Christians back then fighting against the Palestinians, uh, PLO, existence in Lebanon, uh, changed because back then the teenager did not understand the reality on their on the ground you know i did not understand that the palestinians had other uh, plans ugly plans for my country and And that's with you, world does not know about that no well this is unfortunate because lebanon became the land for others to score you know, like we had the Palestinians, we had the Israelis invasions also, we had the Syrian invasions and occupation for three decades of Lebanon, the Syrian army. I I I survived being very close to getting raped twice oh by Syrian by Syrian army. Yeah, and now we have the Iran through Hezbollah trying to take over. Yeah, this is not covered as it should uh, by the uh, media here in the US. Maybe the European media is more, you know, uh, accessible, I guess, geographically. But I think if there, are bi- there is bias, let's, let's be clear on this. There's bias uh, in covering these things. I hear you. During these
0: years of chaos and destruction, were there any fun memories, nonetheless? I mean, that should have been something yes.
1: to keep you going. Yeah, as um, as I mentioned before, I, I was one of the lucky ones, me and my siblings, to have loving parents um, who tried their best to make amends with the very few means they had at that time. And I remember a couple of things, especially um, like one time we, li- we used to live in a building, the fourth floor in Beirut. OK, so <laughs>
0: you were born in Beirut, right?
1: Yeah, I was born in my village in Baalin, Baalin, and the Shuf area. So we have one house in the uh, in the sh- in the, you know, the mountains and one in mm-hmm. Beirut. Okay, so we were in Beirut when the, you know, when the fighting used to go on, you know, cause we wanted to go to school when it's, when there's no fighting, when there's ceasefire. We used to go to school and then come back. So anyways, <laughs> one time it was like early evening. So we were in the shelter. They announced on the radio that, okay, the fractions got into a ceasefire. So everybody in the building, we grabbed our stuff and we went up to the fourth floor because there's no electricity, there's no elevator. So we, we were carrying all of us and stuff and we went up. And one of the stuff was a little mattress that we sleep on, okay, as kids. So we went on and then the minute that my dad put his keys to the door to open the door for our apartment, the, uh, the bombs were starting, you know, coming down again. So we scrambled all the way down again to the shelter. <laughs> then a few hours later, they said, oh, we have a ceasefire now in the middle of the night. Then we scrambled back to our house. And the minute my dad again put the keys to the, <laughs> to the door, again, the bomb, the bombs came down. That happened for four Times I swear to God, if not more. The last time, then Dad, you know, got he lost it really. <laughs> he said he started cursing and screaming at the <laughs> as if they were hearing him, you know. But he just lost it, and he put me and my sister uh, on this small, uh, you know, mattress. And instead of going down the stairs, he pushed us like we were <laughs> sliding. <laughs>
0: you know what for us uh, for, that, um, that
1: was really i remember that very well that was uh, one of what, the I'm,
0: what i'm trying to say yes it's um actually very incomprehensible for people who never grew up in a war zone it all sounds of course horrible scary and unimaginable and yet you find that the way to laugh how ceasefire and bombing were Literally, like five, ten minutes apart, mm-hmm. and you make light light out of it. And you remember how you guys were sliding down the stairs. Yeah, well, I I was, that's
1: what keeps us going, right? Exactly, the small things um, that keeps us left, going small keep things. you sane. That's that was the only that was the only option, right? We didn't have other options. Um, is to go forward. Um, Because the other options are scary. Yes, indeed.
0: So I guess we have to wrap up the first part of our interview. Mm -hmm. I know that we're gonna we're gonna continue it in a day or two, but at this point, I'm really happy that you were able to come and share your life story here. And as I mentioned earlier, a couple of uh, Facebook followers mine and yours sent you questions so we're going to be addressing yes and they're very interesting questions i'm not going to say a word about what they are now of course Uh, but when we're going to resume our recording and yes we are recording it is just for some technical reasons at, at this point but we're going to address them. And I'm pretty sure that it's going to be a very interesting second part of this interview.
1: Thank you. I'm looking Not forward to. to it. Absolutely. Thank you so much.